Hello, you're listening to the Session 6 Sport Performance Powered by Weight Endurance podcast. I'm your host, Cody Waite, and I'm sitting here with my wife, Kathy Waite. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome back. This is episode five of our uh, podcast series that's going to be focusing, at least for the next several weeks and months, heavily on our base builder training program and a lot of discussions surrounding kind of building one's fitness base for uh, cycling. It's that time of year. Um, this episode, we're going to specifically kind of get the ball rolling with building one's base and then also discussing a little bit about um, the transition period between race seasons. Being uh, Right, like you're done racing, your A races are done, maybe you have a few lingering fun races or cross, um, and cross might not be your focus, but you're going to do some for fun. Um, and... You might eat a little Taco Bell like Cody did, <laughs> and then think about um, what's next. Yeah, exactly. So being, as of this recording, it's basically the second half of August, so um, yeah, it's it's that time of year where we're kind of winding down the summer season and getting into that fall season, um, and we'll discuss a little bit about kind of what to do, what not to do, uh, kind of thing for, for all that. Um, but yeah, believe it or not, like... Our 2020 Base Builder program is kind of upon us. Yeah, right around the corner. starts on Monday Yeah, with a a strength focus for eight weeks. Looking forward to it. I think a lot of people are ready to move their bodies in in different ways besides just on the bike. Yeah, absolutely. And we're starting our 15th annual Base Builder program a little earlier than normal. Um, I think historically we've done kind of more like October. Most of the time it was January. Last year was kind of a breakthrough Change to to start in October. Yeah, in October. That was, it was good. It was fun. So we're kind of starting a little earlier with the intention of spending a little more time building kind of more of a strength foundation. We'll get into that here as we get going here. Um, but uh, first, let's let's touch briefly on this kind of transition period idea, where um, you know one season comes to an end. I think it's really critical, and uh, that. As athletes, we kind of take a, a little bit of a break. Um, I mean, in years past, when I, in my younger days, at the after the end of my last race, my coach would always tell me to take two weeks completely off the bike. Um, and at first, that sounds really appealing. Mm-hmm. And as you're getting close to that, you're like, oh, I can't wait to take a break. And then once you're there and like a few days into the break... It, it feels conflicting feel... with your emotions. I felt it myself. I watched you experience that. And now this year we watched our daughter, Sophia, struggle with taking time away from structured training. But it's really important because if you don't take that those two weeks, those two weeks off, um, you may not feel very motivated when it's February to keep doing training. Yeah, exactly. And I think you've experienced that with, um, or you've had an interesting experience with uh, one of the, your coached athletes who kind of confessed that he was hiding those, um, during that, he was not taking those, those weeks off when we told, as, yeah, yeah like to you told him. him to, and he wanted to keep riding, but then it caught <laughs> up to him and it was, um, it was unfortunate because then he didn't have motivation to race towards the end of the summer. Yeah. Cause it, it. It takes a toll. I mean, being on, especially being on a structured training program, you know, you can't really do it year round. And but it doesn't take a whole lot of time off to kind of reset the system and and refresh mentally. I mean, that's mostly actually what what you're after is getting that mental break. And then, um, don't you think it's sort of a again. weird feeling that you you're like in the best shape of the season? You worked eight, nine, ten months towards this pinnacle and there's part of you that knows you need to rest physically and mentally and emotionally but it feels like such a waste to lose that fitness oh yeah and it's tough to so strange it is yeah because you like you said you come to this peak level of fitness hopefully you had a great race the the worst is when you don't have a great race and then you kind of it like sort of lingers or whatever through that time of a break and rebuilding but um yeah it's a it's it is an unusual feeling, and it's hard, especially for highly competitive people, I think, mm-hmm. to kind of take that step back. But I think it's it's really critical. Um, now, one thing I have found is that the older I've become, 
Um, I actually need less of a break in terms of the duration, so I don't necessarily need that two weeks off the bike um, anymore that I needed like in my 20s. And rather I need something a little shorter and then maybe more frequent breaks throughout Mm, the season. That's a good point. Because, you know, back then it was like the one two-week break. It was, you know, usually sometime September-ish. And then it was like kind of get back on the bike again and start building up for next year. But what I found as I've gotten older is if you take that two-week break, um, getting going again is actually kind of challenging. Agreed. Agreed, yeah. And that's the beauty of having um, a friend or a group with whom you can work out with because you know, like, well, Monday at noon, I'm going to go do a strength session yeah, even though I don't feel like it. Right. You know, and get back in the swing of it. And it takes a little bit. Um, I know Sophia, our daughter, who is 16 and just finished a really successful race season. At first, she didn't want to take the time off. And then she, when she was ready to get back on the bike, man, those first couple of rides, I know she didn't feel well. Like, it was like, ugh. Yeah. She came back from, I think it was a solo mountain bike ride. I'm like, how was it, kid? How'd you feel? That was pretty bad. That was awful. I'm like, it's fine. That's normal. You're going to feel a little bit better tomorrow. It's okay. But she was more excited to be back on her bike if she was going to go ride with her buddies. Right, yeah. Yeah, so if you're feeling the same way, you're kind of feeling lost, take, take some time off from... From training, go do fun rides. We mentioned that in our last podcast. Like this time of year is the best time to connect with friends that you haven't seen. And, you know, maybe they're not as serious of a cyclist as you are. Um, and so you couldn't connect as often as you wished you could have this summer because you had specific training intervals you had to do. Well, fine. Now that's out the window for a while. And, you know, go meet them at a state park you haven't ridden at or drive up to Boulder and ride trails that you haven't. You haven't been to in a long time. Right. Once you kind of get going again after the break. Exactly. Um, Yeah. So back to the break. I mean, I think just taking that planned time off, time away from the bike, you know, you can stay active, stay, you know, go for a hike instead or go if you, you know, play basketball or whatever sport. Pickleball. Fill in the blank. That's my new thing. That's your off season or or break. Actually, it's my thing all the time. All the time now. Yeah. Pickleball. Um so, yeah, I mean, if there's, like, a sport you loved growing up or, you know, you haven't done, go, go do that a little bit. You know, you'll be kind of shocked maybe how sore that activity may or may not make you. But um, but it's good just to take that, that break, not only physically but mentally. Um, so I would recommend anyone kind of, like, 30 years and under, consider a two-week break away from the bike, um, kind of at, after your last race. Um, it, you know, if you're over 30, you know, maybe just a week, um, or even honestly a five days, like Monday through Friday. And then that following weekend, you can kind of start with those easy rides again to kind of get back into it. Um, and then also just know and plan ahead for some periods of time off. It doesn't necessarily have to be a full week, but you know, I'd say throughout the season, there'll be times, um, and we'll implement this in, in our base builder program of like three, four, five days off the bike just to kind of reset and take those those breaks to kind of freshen up. Because what you don't want to do is train nonstop through a whole long period and then as your A race comes, which is at this point is maybe m- many months down the road, be feeling kind of burnt out and right. not enthusiastic to ride. This is and, supposed to be fun. Right. Most of us are not getting paid to do this. We're choosing to do this. So take a break. Um, catch up on the TV shows you right. <laughs> didn't watch. Spend time with friends. Relax. Have fun. Maybe eat a little bit of junk food, and then clean it back up again, and we'll get going with scheduled training. Yeah, soon. exactly. So, speaking specifically of our base builder program that does happen to start next week, if you are following along in this program, and you maybe some people still have a race or two left on the calendar, let's go ahead and get through that final race, and then. Take your break and then get started with the base builder program. So even if that's three weeks from now and we have five weeks left of this first eight week block of our base builder program that we'll dig into in a little bit, you know, you can start um, then and build up um, that way. So what you don't want to do is say, oh, I've got to finish up this race this weekend or next weekend or whatever the case may be and then immediately rush into the 
base builder program. Definitely take that break. It's well worth it. Um, now that said, the time off the bike is the key point and what you can definitely do is get into that strength training piece, um, during that time off the bike. So it's not necessarily in these transition periods to do nothing at all and just sit on the couch. If that's really appealing and you need that, go for it. But in general, do some other activities and definitely go ahead and get back into the gym and start the strength training piece um, during that during that time. Um, so I think that's a good segue into kind of what this time of year, what you should right. be Right, and we're going to be building into the strength pr- training program very lightweight at first, uh, um, just to re- reacquaint our bodies with those movements. Right. So first, let's talk about like why should cyclists or endurance athletes strength train? Because um, there's several good points to it. I think it's a topic that is becoming more and more widely accepted. Um, you know, I would say 10 years ago, you know, uh, most people had the thought that cyclists or endurance athletes didn't necessarily need to lift weights and maybe it was even not beneficial or, you know, the classic thing is, well, if I want to get better at riding my bike, I need to ride my bike more. And in some cases that is true, but you know, if you, you're leaving some performance gains on the table if you're not strength training and that I think is true for young developing athletes as well as older masters athletes that are, you know, maybe slowing down. The strength training can actually delay that. Right. That's slowdown. a good way to put it. Delay the slowing down. Cause I don't feel like we're slowing down. Right. And, um, the gym work is keeping us stronger so we can keep putting out the Watts. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the big benefits of, uh, strength training is kind of getting more muscle recruitment. So, the, tr- the strength training that one should do, an endurance athlete should do, um, in the off-season is not the same type of training that a weightlifter or bodybuilder would do. You know, we're not trying to grow bigger muscles and increase, like, our size and our mass. What we're trying to do is take the muscles that we have and use them and recruit more of those muscle fibers to start working. Okay? So, so we have the muscles that we have on our bodies right now and lifting weights, you're going to tap into more of the individual fibers and grow the strength of those individual fibers through the strength training protocols that we'll have in our, in our uh, base builder program. And there, it's not a program that's going to make you more muscly, so to speak. You're not be, going to become Arnold Schwarzenegger following this program. I mean, to, to become a, bodybuilder or weightlifter like first of all you need to strength train more or less every day just like if you want to be a good cyclist you need to ride your bike as many times a week as you can the rep schemes and things are much different a lot of things weightlifting to kind of exhaustive levels you know we rarely if ever do that um and so the the underlying theme of how we strength train and why we strength train is to train the muscles we have to function better and recruit more of those fibers. Um, another benefit too is, uh, through those improved muscle recruitment is increasing that top end power production that we can do because power from a physiological or I'm sorry, a physics standpoint is essentially to put simply how hard can you push on the pedals times how quickly can you pedal or cadence. So we're going to do some things on the bike later on down the road, some cadence drills and things that will improve that aspect, but it's really the strength training that improves how much force or how hard we can push against the pedals. I um, love that definition. You've said that to me for years, and it, it's so simple. Like, it makes sense. It's the gym work plus those caden- cadence drills and the strength drills we also do on the bike that come together for the um, increased numbers at the end of the equation. Yeah, exactly, Doing the increased power. So, um, so if we can, you know, slowly develop the ability to do a heavier back squat, then that some, some of that muscle recruitment and, and muscle patterning will translate to being able to push on the pedals that little bit harder. And then you increase the cadence and power goes up. So it's, I mean, everything's very subtle and, you know, it's not a direct one-to-one relationship, but it all contributes to one another. They all, it, it all kind of works together. The, the strength aspect as well as the, um, the aerobic and pedaling mechanic 
mechanical aspects of producing power on the bike. Um, another big benefit of strength training for endurance athletes is that lifting heavy weights increases the anabolic hormone capabilities in our body. So um, cycling, or really endurance sports in general, especially lengthy ones, tend to contribute to more of a catabolic state, meaning you're breaking down muscle tissue, you're getting smaller. So like an endurance runner or endurance cyclists are often smaller people, right? Not, not as heavily muscled, usually lower body fat. You know, it's very catabolic, getting smaller. Think of it like that. As opposed to a weightlifter, bodybuilder is anabolic. You're getting bigger, right? You're growing your muscles. Um, so if we spend a good chunk of the year and maybe we're wrapping up the summer season, you know, we've likely lost a little bit of muscle mass, right? We've lost, we've kind of broken things down, you know, maybe we become leaner, which is a positive thing, but overall we've gotten smaller, to put simply. Now, if we spend some time lifting weights, moving into the kind of the off season, it sort of counteracts that by, again, we're not necessarily building bigger muscles, but we're kind of awakening the, the hormone production in our body to some degree, um, with some growth, some anabolic nature. Does that it's kind all of make good sense? stuff. Yeah, okay. that, that's important. You, you, you do weaken in the muscular power sense during during the non weight training months where you're racing more, mm-hmm. or less weight training months when you're racing more. And so I think of it as getting stronger, uh, stronger from being weaker versus bigger from being smaller. Because we're not really getting bigger, but we're right. going to get stronger again. Right. Right. And like fortifying our bodies for the season to come. Exactly. That's a great way to think of it. It's like you're, yeah, exactly that. Fortifying, building it a stronger foundation, increasing durability, which is what I was going to get to next. But um, Well, the durability part really jumps out to me because I'm more of a leaner, air quotes, frailer body type. A skinny and, person. Yeah, <laughs> skinny person. And I need to be stronger. I mentioned that in a previous podcast. I really need to be stronger. So the dura- the durability benefit of weight training has been one of my favorite parts of it. Yeah, I would agree as well cuz I mean, I've touched on this in some previous episodes here, but the herniated disc I had in 2015, I was lifting weights kind of around that time, but um since that disc herniation, I've we've kind of improved the strength protocol, I think, to really focus on that. And continued it through the summer. And, yeah, I was going to get to that and continued it year-round, and there's no question that's improved my durability. I mean, I don't have the back pain anymore um, and and those sorts of things that can kind of hurt performance as well as, you know, the improved power production and everything that helps performance. So it's kind of a double-edged benefit there. Um, So, yeah, the, the improved durability... I mean, also things, you know, like if you're going to fall off your bike, you're going to crash. You know, if you are that extra bit stronger, you know, you're going to maybe be able to absorb that impact on the ground that little bit better that maybe prevents you from breaking a collarbone or something. Um, You know, there's no guarantees, obviously, with that. But uh, if you can improve your odds of minimizing, you know, the ill effects of of crashing, um, that's certainly a benefit in my book. Um, For sure. Yeah. And then kind of alongside the same note of improving durability is the strength training really improves range of motion and muscle activation that leads to offsetting imbalances. So um, again, going back to a whole kind of summer racing season, um, if you were riding your bike quite a bit, you're in that kind of closed up, hinged forward position. Absolutely. Um, Combined with sitting at a desk, sitting in a car, you know, all the sitting that we do these days. Um, You know, the strength training that we have in our program and what we encourage athletes to do in the base phase of the season is definitely more of that posterior chain working the backside of the body and opening things up. Um, Yeah, I totally agree with you. And this also might be a good time just to say very clearly that we are not doctors, we are not physical therapists, and if you have something wrong with your body, a a nagging pain, um, knees, back, anything... Go get checked out. It, usually you can make a, an appointment at a physical therapy clinic and get, get some very practical hands-on work like right away. Um, if your insurance makes you go through your primary doctor, do, do all that that you have to do. But 
don't hesitate. Like figure out if something can be fixed, figure out, make sure it's safe for you to start a strength training program. Um, I can do my, like if you're in my class, I can do my best to evaluate a proper um, lift, but I am not going to be able to diagnose whether or not you have a torn meniscus or a herniated disc. And um, we want you to be like safe before you even get into the gym. Yeah. And that is the, this is the perfect time of the year to do that, you know? So if you go see a doctor PT and you're working on some issue that's maybe been bugging you for the bulk of the season, you know, take this time now where you're not going to be training as much, um, and get those kind of things resolved. So when the time comes in the coming weeks and months that, you know, you're, you're able to kind of ramp it up and hit it harder, um, at that point. So yeah, good point. Um, and then lastly, we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier was, a benefit of strength training, and I think it's very critical, is it, I think of it as this kind of Mm anti-aging kind of thing, you know? Um, I mean, as human humans, you know, we, our aerobic system, we can develop and maintain well into our, you know, 40s, 50s, even 60s, um, and improve, depending on how many years you've been at this. And what we tend to lose, or what we do lose more quickly, and more dramatically is that top end, the, the, the strength, the muscle mm-hmm. fibers, and then the top end aerobic stuff, the VO2 max declines gradually as you age. And, you know, if you have that strength training protocol year round in your program, um, it really does slow down. Studies have shown it slows down that, that effect of loss. So, um, and maybe this sounds silly, but I think when you can still sprint and jump, and move quickly, it makes you feel younger again. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Maybe that's why I'm enjoying playing pickleball because <laughs> I get to feel like a kid again running around on yeah. the court. Cut and play, left yeah, and cutting right left and, and right. Because I, I used to play basketball, and I really don't think that playing basketball anymore is going to be safe for me because I'm a little too cray cray. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, the jumping we do in, in the strength sessions, and then when we do sprint workouts, I, for me, I just feel like a kid again, and I love it. Yeah, and that would have some anti-aging benefits, I would Absolutely. think. Absolutely. I'm smiling while mind, I'm working out. Right. Um, so, yeah, so there's a lot to be gained with strength training, and that's why we're big, big fans of it. And going into the, quote, off-season um, is now the time to do that, um, kind of start introducing that strength training. And that's what the first eight weeks of our Base Builder program really focuses on, is getting back to the gym, establishing a routine, um, getting through the awkwardness, the soreness, that sort of thing. And, and once you get going, once you're kind of three, four weeks in, almost everybody then kind of gets over that hump and really looks forward to the next session. And it's maybe not as much of like, oh, I had to go to the gym or I, I, you know, don't want to lift weights. Um, cause that's something we see a lot with cyclists is that it's sometimes it's hard to get them going with the strength training. Um, but once you kind of get it going it, and you you almost, you start to feel those benefits, I feel like, three, four weeks in, mm-hmm. and then it becomes fun and challenging. It's a new challenge to kind of move forward. Um, so some quick, like, notes. If you're crea- creating your own strength training program going into the off-season or if you're following ours, you know, I think first and foremost, and correct me, you know, or let me know if you agree, but f- I think form comes first. Oh yeah, that's without a doubt. Yeah, with lifting weights. Um, what would you recommend? Because so some of the listeners here are going to be training with us in house, but most people live elsewhere, and they're going to be right, uh, right. Um, kind of figuring this out on their own. First of all, we have a YouTube channel. Right, that's important. Uh, we have a YouTube channel. You can search for it under S- Session Six Sport Performance. Yeah, pardon me. Yes, um, and we'll have links links to the YouTube channel. Um, on our Training Peaks program if you're downloading the spreadsheet. Um, and just take the time for the first couple of weeks to watch the videos before the workout. So you have to invest a little bit of time to, to watch the videos that we've created. And once you know what you're doing, it's it's easy. Just you'll go do your workout. But that with that said, if you don't have any kind of background in lifting, it can be intimidating to use barbells. It can be intimidating and a little bit scary to Mm -hmm. try deadlifts or back squats. So I would recommend that you commit to like a session or two with a personal trainer who knows what they're doing and can watch your form, teach you what to do. And that might show some imbalances right there, which would 
make you take a side trip to the PT to fix some things. And that, that's not a problem. That's the best thing you can do. So get some help. Maybe you have a good friend who's a, a, an experienced weightlifter. They can help you. But um, take the time to figure out how to do the lifts correctly because you're committing with our program to doing it for the next many, many months. Right. And we've seen in class too, like some people just for whatever reason – maybe can't do a barbell back squat, right? Like maybe there's some something wrong with their mechanically, right? Right, or mobility. From an injury or, yeah, mm-hmm. something. And, you know, having a personal trainer recognize that and then give you maybe alternative movements. Right. You could always do some of these squats um, with bar- uh, kettlebells or dead... Uh, I can't even talk here. Dumbbells or kettlebells if a barbell back squat wouldn't work for you and the same for the deadlift. So... Having someone watching you and giving you some options would be really helpful since I can't um, see everybody out there. Yeah, exactly. And we'll get into this, I think, when we dive into the specifics of our workouts. But um, it's a great idea to start, uh, particularly if you're newer to strength training or on the kind of the lighter loading side of strength training with kettlebells, dumbbells, as opposed to barbells when we're talking about like back squatting and and deadlifting, right? Yes, and we are going to not get the barbells out for the first week in our in-house program. Okay. We're going to use the dumbbells and kettlebells we have in-house and just remind people of proper form. And the not using barbells will <laughs> refrain people from loading too much weight. Because right. it's going to be... It's human nature. We're going to want to like, oh, I remember doing this and throw some weights on. Even though the spreadsheet they're supposed to be following... Um, will not recommend heavier weights, but that's how people are. So right. <laughs> just working with dumbbells and kettlebells will keep people lighter and therefore walking normally the next day. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how easily we forget, myself included. Like, yeah, oh, I we've all was doing it. this weight. I'll just load up about that. Oh. And then the next day you can barely get out of bed because you're so sore. Um, so kind of along that note, um, another kind of guideline to implement into your strength training program as you start up this time of year is having a program that is very progressive and has a slow ramp rate, I guess, yeah, you know, slow a build slow buildup in the loading of the weights. Um, you know, that's built into our specific training program, but, um, you know, I think starting light. Yeah. I think a general rule of thumb, and this is what we're going to tell our people on Monday is you may leave the gym today and not feel like you, you did, really did a workout. Did that much. Yeah. That's Okay. That's the way to do it, And I'm going to give you a pat in the back if that's what, how you feel. Yeah. Um, and, and it's okay in our program if you feel that way for probably three or four weeks. Right. Because it's better to adapt slowly and not be so sore that you don't want to come back or you don't want to go ride your bike outside for fun. Right. Because riding our bikes for the last several weeks and months you know, of the season, it's like we've become very good with a very specific set of muscles and loading, you know, pedaling a bike and so forth. And as soon as we do something a little bit different, like a squat where we're maybe using more adductors and glutes Mm, than we were pedaling our bikes, it's more like quad dominant, even a body weight squat. If you do like three sets of 10 or something, it's very possible that you wake up the next morning with like sore adductors or absolutely. And it's kind of shocking. So starting really light, and progressing slowly over the over the weeks of the that that adaptation phase really helps you one avoid any kind of injury and excessive soreness, and then kind of move through the that uncomfortable soreness phase a little more easily and more quickly. Well, is this where you want to talk about how do we decide which numbers we're going to use on our spreadsheet? Yeah, but before we do that, um, let's talk about. What the spreadsheet is we're talking okay, about right, and where, where, where the heck is it and that sort of thing. Um, so this, yeah, so those of you that are listening are already on our Base Builder program. Um, we're going to give you a quick little like tutorial. If you're not on our Base Builder program, we'll move this somewhat quickly. But basically, the program is delivered via Training Peaks. Um, and what you're going to do is click on the very first strength session, really any of the strength sessions. They all have the spreadsheet um, as a uh, d- downloadable attachment. But you'll click on it, open the workout window. You click on the paper clip. Uh, yeah, or the there's like kind of a link, essentially. Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's an Excel file, Microsoft Excel file. You click on that, download it to your hard drive, um, and then at that point, open it up. And then there's four tabs within this strength training sheet. And um, each of the four tabs 
is its own phase. So we have the adaptation phase, which is what we're going to talk about here and do for the next eight weeks. And then there's the strength build phase. Um, then there's the stability and power phase. And then the fourth one is the maintenance phase that you'll follow kind of more in the spring through summer months. Um, so what you'll do is click on that first tab that's the that says adaptation, opens it up. Um, and then at that point, um, you can enter in your name because you're going to want to print this out. You'll enter in your name, um, the year if you like to, and then there's some boxes kind of in the middle part of the sheet um, that has you set some numbers, some maybe either known max movements, one rep max in the back squat and deadlift, or some instructions on how to estimate. So Right, and that can be the trickiest part of this. Um, for veterans of the program and new people alike, how do I determine what my back squat max is, how do I determine what my deadlift max is? I I printed mine out this morning, so I had to go through that same process. Okay, so here are a couple ideas, and this is written on the spreadsheet. If you have no idea, then you can put 75% of your body weight as your back squat max. If you have no idea what your deadlift max is, you can put your body weight, 100% of your body weight, body weight in that box. Right. And that will populate the spreadsheet um, for the upcoming sessions. Now, if you were in our program last year and some of you did continue doing some maintenance on your own this summer, should you put the max numbers in from the last time we tested? No. Probably <laughs> not. Probably not. And you know why is that? Even if you did maintenance this summer, you didn't do it as much as we were doing. You didn't probably go as heavy as we were doing. Maybe you were working in your garage and you just had kettlebells and, and or dumbbells. It just it wasn't the same. So it would be foolish. You to, basically lost. You have lost some strength. Over right. The so summer. it would be foolish to put in those maxes that maybe you did in March. So for, for me personally, I put in uh, 90%. I took 10% off of your previous my one previous rep. one rep maxes for both lifts. That was achieved back like in April or whatever that I was. I think it was, yeah, March or April. Um, and I actually did a considerable amount of strength training myself this summer yeah. because I wasn't racing. Um, as you may or may not know, if you're listening, I, I've had sort of a weird injury in my in my left leg. It's complicated, but it, it basically kept me from racing all season. So what I could do was weight train. The cross training did not bother my leg. And even with all of the weight training I did two or three times a week, I did not feel comfortable putting in my previous maxes. So I took off 10% and put in like 90% of my previous maxes. Right. And that feels good to me. So just check in with yourself a little bit. Check, you know, put your ego aside. Think about how much did you really do this summer? Would it be wise for you to put in a heavier number? And it's better to be conservative. Absolutely. And I'll say for me personally as well, like I was very consistent through the the racing season, through the summer months of strength training one to two times a week, depending on race schedules and whatnot, um, and doing some small amounts of heavy reps throughout that summer season, but I will also do the same thing. I'm going to take about 10% off of um, kind of the, my one rep max that I achieved back in, um, yeah, it was like kind of late March, I believe, for me, and enter that into the box here. Um, and then also to put this into perspective more for our cycling friends that haven't maybe lifted weights is what this is doing is think of this almost as like if you're if you train with power or you're familiar with like FTP and whatnot where you have this number that then you're taking percentages of to figure out how hard or how much power you should produce mm -hmm. while doing intervals and whatnot. It's a good comparison. Yeah, it's the same kind of concept. So um, you're going to set these numbers in here. We're not going to lift those weights except perhaps right at the very end of the eight-week buildup after building upwards of this, but we're going to be using those numbers to get percentages of what we should be doing for the training sessions for the coming weeks. So it's going to start very, very low percentage of that, um, and then we're going to gradually build up. Okay, so that's kind of the the idea here. It's like it's like you enter in, you know, your your maybe you're 160 pounds and you put that into the 100% the of your body weight of the deadlift, it doesn't mean you're going to be lifting a 160-pound deadlift until maybe eight weeks from now once you've worked up to that, right? You're going to be lifting probably starting out more like, you know, at 
40 pounds for the starting of the deadlift, which might just be two 20-pound dumbbells or whatever. So um, that's kind of the idea here. So don't freak out when you see these big numbers, you know, um, and think of it, put in that perspective. This is sort of like our FTP in a way, um, and we're taking that percentage. Right. That was a great comparison. Um, okay. So we've gotten through the first page of the spreadsheet. You're figuring out kind of that one rep max, either known um, or estimated, and then that's going to populate the spreadsheet. So the, the, the second page of our um, spreadsheet, it has a list of all the movements. And these movements um, can all be found on our YouTube channel, Session 6 Sport Performance on YouTube. And we have videos that are, I don't know, three to five minutes long, um, depending how many movements are within the video. Um, and you can see what's going on in there. Um, any of those movements, we'll give, we'll give some variations on things. So, for example, um, pull-ups. That, that, that can be a tricky one, especially for us cyclists. Um, we aren't known for our upper body strength often, <laughs> oftentimes. And pull-ups, are they're a hard movement. Um, and you may not have access to a pull-up bar. And yeah, that's a good point as well. Um, so we give some alternate things like ring rows or um, things that to do instead of the pull-ups if a pull-up is not an option. Um, most of the movements, though, are either body weight or very lightweight movements with the exception of um, the squatting and the deadlifting when you when you get to that point. Um, <clears throat> so I think without going through every single movement here and, and boring everybody, let's move ahead then to um, kind of getting into like this week or, or next week. We're recording this on a Friday um, for next Monday's strength session, those following along in the program, you know, we want to kind of cover the details there. Um, so you turn to the third page and you have week one adaptation. There's going to be two training sessions. Um, why don't, why don't Kathy, you go through that. Right. I just want to give kind of like the cheat sheet of how to read the spreadsheet so yeah. that once you figure it out, it's, it's really easy. You, you definitely need page two to reference the numbers on page three. For example, under M prep, that means movement prep. And for session one, it says number one. You go back to page two. Number one movement prep set set is called Magnificent Five. And that is a list of five movements that basically just feel really good and you're moving your body and you're ready to, to exercise after you've done these body, um, body movements. Uh, you watch the YouTube video if you're not in class with us. And they're really easy to remember, and this will probably end up being your favorite set anyway. So the number one under movement prep references movement prep magnificent five on page two, and then we would move into the core set, also run number one, reference back to page two, and it, there are three core movements listed as core set number one. If you're in class, I'll demonstrate them, and we may even add on a few extra things if you're doing these from home. Watch the YouTube video, and once you've done them a couple times, they'll be, like, perfectly comfortable for you to do. Right. The first few weeks, you'll be, like, learning all the movements, and then by, usually by, I think, week, uh, well, what is it, like, week four, you've kind of done everything, you go through the second time. Eventually, you will know what, you'll look at it and be like, the Poloff press. Oh, yeah, I know what that is. And, and But until then, you might... Yeah, it takes a little at, extra prep time, which, remember what's what. um, you know, factor that in so you don't get thrown off when you get ready to start your workout. But once you know what the, the titles are, it's, it's quite easy to get going. Okay. Then you'd have a push pull set. And for session one, so if you're with a gym, at the gym with me on uh, Monday, we're going to do what we call our vertical high push pull set. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> well, reference back to that cheat sheet. And it says that vertical high is a combination of an OH press, which means overhead press, and a pull-up. So I'll demonstrate the movement and give options. And for session one, we're, we're going to keep it pretty minimal. It says three by five. So we'll do three sets of five reps of overhead press, alternating with three sets of five reps of a pull-up or a pull-up modification, such as a ring row. Um, now how do you choose the weight that we, you and I had a lengthy discussion about that for this first eight weeks. Yeah. Why don't you say a few things about okay. that? Okay. So to start this first eight weeks, what we want to do with the push pull 
is keep weights relatively light, um, in some cases just body weight, in the case of like a pull-up or a push-up. Um, anything where you use a kettlebell, dumbbell, um, keep it light. And over the eight weeks, we're going to keep the set count the same. It will always be three sets, and then increasing the rep count per those sets. So the very first session, um, or first three sessions, it's three by five. Then it's going to progress to three by eight to ten, and then it's going to continue progressing three to ten to twelve, that kind of thing as you go. So the idea is as you go through the weeks, you're going to repeat these movements every couple of weeks and um, increase the rep count within the sets. Are you increasing the weight? Typically, no. So the first... Um, for the push-pull, you are going to increase the yeah, weight. Yeah, we're talking specifically of the push-pull movements, so the upper body push-pull. Um, if anything, it's likely you may reduce the weights as you move through and start getting into higher rep counts. If you get upwards of like 20 reps of something, you may have to reduce the weight potentially. But it's going to be individual for everybody, so the... The long story short, or the, the advice here, is start out light. Again, you should leave this the first week's sessions feeling almost like you did very little or like any That was kind silly. Of I, yeah. I should have grabbed the heavier dumbbells. Because that's going to keep you from being too sore. Right. And, and how you described it to me for the push-pull set is that you really wanted to focus on them, like for this particular aspect, the push-pull, mm-hmm. for like the muscular resistance or the endurance. And the, in the next phase, we're going to add the heavier weights exactly. for Exactly. So when we get into the strength build, it'll sort of be the opposite. We'll start moving heavier weights, but fewer repetitions and a little, few more sets as well. So right. um, first, it's like build up kind of the, the one, learn the movement, and then build up kind of that muscular endurance, I guess you could say, initially. And then you're going to transfer to doing, um, have, like trying to build the actual strength. So, so think of it almost like endurance first, then strength um, within that. And then the other note I'll say too, looking at the spreadsheet is like your movement prep, your core sets, and your push-pull are all part of a greater warm-up essentially, getting you ready for kind of the two key movements, which is the squat and deadlift um, for the as like the the, the, the focal point the of, this, this of the session. The entree of the meal. Yeah, exactly. So... As you're progressing through, the movement prep is very light, easy, getting moving. And then the core also then start, you know, you start to kind of maybe break a sweat a little bit doing the core work. And then um, then the push and pull, same kind of thing. You're activating, basically you'll have activated every muscle in your body by the time you've done those three categories mm-hmm. and ready now to progress to the heavier sort of weightlifting segment of the squat and deadlift. Okay. Um so yeah, what do you want yeah, to say about and the squat? If you're if you're with me in in the gym, we'll spend more time with like group drills just to remind everybody with a proper form is for squat and deadlift. And what you know, when weeks weeks that follow, especially in the second block, everyone's pretty good about knowing what to do and who they want to partner with, and we'll spend more time lifting and way less time talking. But just know that we'll spend a little bit more time with form and technique construction for the first couple of weeks. Um, so we're not lifting quite so much. Um, yeah, so it's just going to be fun to move again, but we're not throwing huge weights around for a while. Right. Um, and then a little bit on squat and deadlift. I mean, those are targeting specifically the posterior chain muscles. So we're talking like the backsides of our bodies. So think moving from top, bottom to top, calves, hamstrings, glutes, low back, um, and then even to some degree the upper back muscles. So um, these are two, again, offset um, kind of the anterior side that we tend to overuse or emphasize when riding a bike, and it helps kind of open things up. Um, and it's also the the bigger muscles that help us pedal our bike um, that will help us apply more force to the pedals come come later in the season. So... Um, that, that's the idea behind the squat and the deadlift. Those are probably arguably the kind of the two most specific cycling gym movements there are. I, mm-hmm. you know, agreed. Yeah. Um, so we'll start out light and we'll progress through that. So the, these, for the first week, I mean, what the, the lightest ones are about 20% of those one rep maxes you entered and you'll work up on the first day to just 30%. And then on session two, you'll work up to just 35%. So again, I'm going to have to be reining people in. I yeah, reining people in. <laughs> um, Put those weights back. And holding back. Yeah. Yeah. And that's okay. 
I'm ready for it. So um, we will introduce little bits, little teaser bits of a power, what we call power movements at the end of the session before we end with some mobility work. Uh, we're going to keep it fairly simple in the first eight-week session, the adaptation phase. And some fo- jumping. Yes, yeah, some jumping. We're going to just focus on two categories, what we call floor jumps and what we call box jumps. A floor jump um, is either a broad jump, which is trying to jump for distance, or a squat jump, which is like jumping to touch the ceiling. Yeah, like exploding upward. Exploding upward. And I think I get it like three inches off the ground, but I do the best I can. (laughs) Yeah, we're not jumping. I'm I'm definitely not a jumper. (laughs) We always laugh at each other. And then box jumps, we're going to start rather simply with what we call a depth jump, which is working on proper mechanics to receive, kind of like receive the they absorb the the power that's created by just stepping off a box and landing in a squat position. Right, it's the landing, the landing down phase off a of box. a jump. Yeah, and then we'll we'll start with some box jumps that are getting up onto. Yeah, the box. getting up on the box, but not going for max height or anything like that. Just reminding our bodies that it it they can jump. Right, and so with those movements, the. Uh, the jumping, or the, I should say, the box jump. So whether it's the depth jump down or the box jump up, um, we'll alternate between those. You start with a low height and move to gradually higher heights as you feel ready and comfortable in doing so, um, because you can hurt yourself jumping on boxes. I've I've done it before myself. Oh, yeah, stitches and lots <laughs> of pain. A uh, nice little cut in the shin. So, but the. The take-home is start low, work to higher ones, only progress when you feel like you're ready to. Um, And then the broad jump and squat jump are completely safe. And with those, we will be um, sticking with sets of five and then just increasing the number of sets of those jumps as you go. Um, And again, like Kathy said earlier, it's like these jumping moving, especially the broad jump and squat jump is like, very youthful youthful yeah great great word there yeah Yeah. i mean they're kind of fun i mean in the group setting it's great because you can kind of be competitive you know how many how few a jumps does it take to get across the room and that sort of thing um or make fun of people like me (laughs) that aren't great jumpers but that's okay too. yeah yeah and so the idea behind these power movements are these are very fundamental basic movements um starting easy and um but you know working on like muscle elasticity and more of that explosive uh, movement or firing pattern with our uh, muscles. So um, it's a great addition, and it kind of prepares us for more of the power movements we're going to be doing later on in the base building process. So these are kind of the, the intros. Yeah, and to finish out the spreadsheet format, if you look to the far right on the spreadsheet, you'll see a category for mobility. Again, there are numbers referenced, one, two, three, four, and 5. If you go back to the cheat sheet on page two, um, there are several stretches per um, number listed. So number one, anterior ca- uh, couch stretch and a pec stretch. Well, what are, what the heck's a couch stretch? That's a quad and hip flexor stretch. Um, it's pretty popular. Um, so there are videos out there. We also have a video on our YouTube page. And um, the next the next day, number two, is static hamstring and calf stretch. And we give some ideas with bands and, and using the wall for those stretches. Yeah. So you can fi- reference those on our YouTube page. And if you're in class with me, you'll, we'll probably do some extra stuff like foam rolling and, and some other things too. Yeah. And again, all those are on our YouTube channel to get into. Um, so yeah, that, that's going to be the sort of the strength workouts, the two strength workouts in a nutshell um, for the first week of training coming up. Um, now moving on to, Kind of the cycling piece. Um, so again, th- this is going to depend on where you are at specifically. If you're, um, you know, if you've done your race, you've taken a little time off, perhaps the last week or two, and now you're ready. It's time to kind of get back on the bike. Hopefully, you're eager and motivated. If you are just finishing up your final race, don't feel like you have to ride what you know right now. Take that break and then get going. Um, but for these first eight weeks, especially while we're adapting to the strength training, the cycling should be and needs to be pretty low key for the most part. So um, within our training program, we recommend things like commuting to work, um, you know, getting out and riding after work with you know friends and family that maybe didn't spend as much time riding with. 
while you were, you know, doing your race-specific work or through the summer months um, and keeping it pretty low-key. Low heart rate, just keep it fun because the strength is the main piece for these, these first eight weeks. Um, now, that said, I think it's a good idea once a week uh, to allow yourself to kind of push it a little bit more in terms of, like, heart rate. Um, and this is where things like uh, maybe a cyclocross race as we get further into the fall season um, is a good idea or a group ride, you know, with some friends or your local, you know, world championship group ride or whatever on the weekend. Which inevitably um, has a pace that's getting pushed. Yeah. And you don't want to do these kind of things where you're completely destroyed. But, you know, I think getting your heart rate up a little bit, um, it, there's nothing wrong with that. But as a general rule of thumb, let's keep our heart rates low while we're adapting to the strength training. Um and uh, it's also a great time of year just to get out and ride. Um, and I would say, just like with the strength training, we want to start slow and low and progress. Same thing with the cycling at this point. You know, even with just a week or, or two, whatever you ended up taking off the bike, you're still going to have quite a bit of residual fitness. But start back with just, you know, an hour or two hour, you know, easy, low intensity rides, and then gradually build to whatever time and interest you have available um and there's some ranges in our training program it'll say like one to three hour ride and that's going to depend on how much time you have number one and how much interest you have number two um but the idea is like whatever you sort of start at ideally you want to try to grow the minutes and hours of riding um as we move into the fall season to kind of get those you know classic base miles um in to build that, um, before we get in the trainer in the next block, uh, that comes in November. So, um, so nothing super fancy with the cycling piece, just basically keep it easy and have fun with it and then throw in a, a cross race or a group ride or something mm -hmm. periodically. Um, we'll kind of do it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that covers like the first week, kind of our strength program in general, formatting so people know how to get started with that. If you have questions, feel free to email us. Yeah, email us or on our website, um, endurance.session6.com. We have a new forum on there as well where you can get in there and ask specific questions and you don't have to be a member or you know following uh, like a paid subscriber to our Base Builder program. You can still get in there and ask questions. You know, If you have some questions on how to formulate your own base training program, we're more than happy to, happy to give some advice on that. Um, and then regarding our podcast here, our goal moving forward is to release next week's training information on the Friday before the week. Um, so you, those following along on our specific program can get a good, wrap their heads around what we're doing, get a good idea. Right. Plan for the week. Plan for the week ahead and know what you're kind of in for. And if you're in-house, I'm very much looking forward to seeing people on Monday reconnecting, hearing how your summer's been Yeah, going. we have tons of returning people, but also a handful of new people. And we still have well, room yeah. for a few more if you're listening and would like to join in. Yeah, if you live in the area, um, we do Yeah, we do have a few spots left in our in-house program. Um, and then our remote program, we'd love to get as many people going on that and seeing how much we can help them improve that way. Um, and then with our podcast, we you know if you're listening to this and you're enjoying it, we'd love to get some ratings going. Um, you know, leave some a five star rating or whatever you think we're worth, and uh, reviews are always fun as well, and helps our rankings so maybe more people can find us. So we'll, we have no idea where this will go. Um, you know, it's geared specifically towards our athletes following our program, but hopefully we get some other people interested in learning from us. So um, yeah, I think that's it. Next week we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit more specifically about the cycling piece of the first bit, uh, the first eight week block. Um, about like low heart rate training and kind of once you've rested and transitioned from one season to the other, how do you get going um, with that low heart rate training um, to start building those base miles for next year? So um, I think that'll kind of do it. That's it. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Have a week. great weekend.